He said, to the extent I desire to move through you, you must allow me to cut on you. The Leader's Cut. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to The Leader's Cut. And I am excited about this week's episode. This is someone I have wanted to uh, introduce many of you to. Some of you uh, already know Brent, but many of you do not yet know Brent, but you are about to, and you will quickly see why I love this man uh, when, what, six months ago? I didn't even know you existed, and you didn't 100%, know I existed. 100%. Uh, but that's how it happens when God is involved. This is the biggest and best family in the history of humanity, the family of God. And so we're going to talk, as you saw in the thumbnail, about transition. And to kind of set that up, uh, I want to... Uh, give Brent a chance to kind of give you a little bit of background so that you know who's talking to you. But as we always do, let's start off with a little bit of prayer because you know the Holy Spirit's about to cut on every single one of us, especially those of us in the midst of transition or about to step into a transition God asked for. God, thank you so much for being present with us at all times. Thank you for family. Thank you for the oil of heaven. We, we're just so grateful for you. Yes, Lord. God, we ask you to step into this conversation right now. Overwhelm us with your voice. Yes, Overwhelm us with your wisdom. Take this conversation wherever you want. And we ask you, like we always do, yes, as we open up our hearts, Spirit of the living God, would you cut on us, yes, cut off our flesh, thereby making more room for your spirit yes, and the fruit only you can produce in and through us. In Jesus' name, Jesus. Amen. amen. Well, tell us a little bit about you, and then we'll talk about how we hooked up. Yeah, what's up, man? Um, so a little bit about me. Uh, my name is Brent, 36. I've been married to the most wonderful woman on this side of heaven. Savage. Uh, Shannon savage. Nicole Hatchet. Yeah, we've been together now for 11 and a half years. Uh, we've got two kids, a nine-year-old son named LB and our two-year-old daughter named Zuri. Uh, my wife coaches track and field at Arizona State University, so I'm married up. If you ever get a chance to meet her, uh, she is one of the most in-shape persons <laughs> you will ever meet, which is a little bit opposite. She, bro, she just looks like she here. can fly. You look at her and you go, <laughs> that, that girl can fly. Yeah, so um, on the spiritual side, uh, I didn't necessarily grow up in a church home. Um, I made a deal with God at 16 and the deal was this, God, if you let me pass my driver's license test, I promise you, I'll start taking myself to church. I passed the test. I kept my promise. And about six months in, I fell radically in love mm. with Jesus. Um, move forward, fast forward. I literally just start going to church for one purpose. Lord, I don't want to go to hell. Like that was the only motivation um but i'll never forget it it was in november thanksgiving service church called new mount mariah missionary baptist church pontiac michigan shout out to bishop william murphy jr there you go um but long story short i'm in this thanksgiving service and you can feel the tangible presence of god in this room preston mm. um and i see these people i'm in the balcony they're down at the front the altar is packed and they just have a hunger and a thirst for god uh, but then there's this other thing that I see on a supernatural scale. There are people who are speaking in tongues and I'm brand new to Christianity. So I don't know how none of this stuff works, but I knew it was real mm. and I wanted it. Mm. 
So I go home, my aunt's in town, and I say, hey, auntie, I just left this church service, and these people were speaking in tongues. How do I do that? So again, I'm novice. I don't know nothing. Uh, so she says, well, son, you know, you want to live right. I said, auntie, I, I made the commitment. I stopped cussing. I'm not drinking. <laughs> like, I'm not doing all that stuff. And she says, well, are you having sex? I said, yeah. She said, you may <laughs> want to stop. I said, all right. So in that moment, uh, Preston, I sincerely made a commitment to be abstinent. Now on the back end, there were several times where I failed when I got to college, post-college, all that good stuff. But here's what I've learned about God. What he cares more than anything else is not your failures, but your sincerity of heart. And when I then made that commitment, I was sincere. So three weeks go by, I'm still learning the Bible. I remember uh, Bishop Murphy preaching about expectation. When you come to church, you need to have a heart of expectation. So every week I was going, this is going to be the week you're going to feel me. This is going to be the week you're going to feel me. And then Pastor Rod Lumpkin, who was one of the elders at our church, he was preaching that morning. And I don't even know what he preached, but I know at the end of his message, here's what he said. If you know God's called you to do something and you haven't been doing it, I want you to come to the altar. Again, my spot was the balcony. So I'm sitting up in the balcony. And I knew without a shadow of a doubt, God had called me to preach. I come down, I go to the altar, I lift my hands, he prays for me, and instantaneously I start speaking in an unknown language and the rest is history. Mm. So I've been, I think I gave my first little trial sermon like three or four months later. Um, and been kind of preaching ever since then, bro. Wow. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. So you, I, I want you to tell some of the backstory uh, of how you ended up the last church you were at before you came on staff at Pillar, yeah. and so that you guys have context. Brent came on uh, just a couple of weeks ago as one of our teaching pastors. Yep. But I want—I love the process God had you in, um, because as we talk about transition, your transition from where you were pre-Cornerstone yep. to God stepping you onto the staff and into a staff role and then a teaching pastor yep. on the weekends. Uh, tell some of the story about what you were doing yeah, and the process God had you in yep. before you, yep. Cornerstone's one of the biggest churches in the Valley. Yep. I mean, I, that, that's for a younger guy. Yep. That's a great stage. Yep. And it would be easy for some people to be like, oh yeah, I've seen Brent on, on the big stage, yep. but little do many of them know. Yep. The truck, the, yep. I mean, the, yep. the humble faithfulness in the midst of God's process. So yeah. talk about it. So for context, for those who aren't familiar with Cornerstone Christian Fellowship, man, one of the greatest churches on this for side sure. of heaven. Major shout out to Pastor Lynn Winters, who platformed me, loved me like a son, gave me so much opportunity. I am indebted, and I stand on that man's shoulders. Love it. Um, so for context, how did I end up there? Um, and the other thing that you need to know, what's unique about my story to a degree uh, and it's even unique to me being at Pillar, um, both churches are predominantly Anglo. Mm -hmm. And I'm a man of color who is going to become and has been a prominent voice at both of these churches. So the question you ask is, how did I get there? We got to go back to my time serving at Sweet Home Missionary Baptist Church in Miami, Florida. Uh, shout out to Pastor Theo, Church of Seven and Nine Hundred. He's the first person who gave me a vocational job in ministry. So I was his assistant pastor to get very personal because I think all of this applies to transition. Um, I transitioned on the Theo staff, but my wife and I at this part, years four, five, and six were really rough for us from a marriage perspective. Um, and 
Shannon had the opportunity for the second time in 2019 to come coach track and field at Arizona State University. The irony was they called her for the first time in 2017. And this was when I just transitioned to Sweet Home. And I said, it's not the right time. We can't do this. Well, they called again in 2019. And this time I couldn't ignore it. And um, so here's what ASU did with us in the process. Um, they flew both of us out for the interview to see what was going on. Um, and when she told me the second time in 2019, my answer again was immediately, no, I'm not coming. And here's why. I wasn't coming because I was an idiot who had pride and I'm not about to follow my wife, mm. right? And you need to understand context. There's following your wife, but then there's following the Lord. That's right. And those are two mm. different things. So if she uses her as the vehicle to get us to where we're supposed to be, then so be it. Mm -hmm. um, so I wrestled with God and he gave me the passage over in Proverbs, the heart of the king is in my hand and like the rivers of water, I turn it towards my will. So he started to soften my heart towards ASU and I know what he did. He planted the seed of church planting in my mind. Cause here's the thing, I'm not leaving Lord unless you give me something. Cause that job that she got ain't something for me. That's something for her. Mm -hmm. So here it is. We go down this path of uh, church planting. And before we even kind of got on the road to Tempe, we were thinking about planting at the university of Miami, but because they called, uh, I looked into ASU. It was the sixth largest university in the country. This is a great place to where, you know, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. And because I'm still wet behind the ears, I'm thinking, let me go ahead and try to do a college church plant, which <laughs> that's a whole nother story. We're not going to get into that. Uh, so we move out and I go through in a whole assessment center with the church planting organization. And here's the crazy part. I get the green light. So I get the green light. I'm about to be a certified church planter. I am a certified church planter about to go through the process. But there was some back and forth between me and that organization to where there was some heavy disagreement. Um, and then essentially I ended up preaching a sermon in one of the seminaries that's affiliated with the organization that offended someone in the class. Uh, and as a result, because of what I said, they dropped my church planting endorsement. And then they put me on like basically probation from the seminary. Now here's the irony just before that, uh, I went to a conference called S2, which is hosted at Cornerstone. Mm -hmm. I'm at this conference and there are these tables up about doing a church planting residency. And I talked to them about doing a residency. And one of the disagreements I had with the other organization was if you do this residency, we can't support you. So long story short, since they dropped me anyways, I get the now chance to pursue this residency. Well, um, the guys who are at the table, they say, hey, we don't feel like you're ready for church planting, but we think it'd be a good idea if you did an internship at Cornerstone. Now, you got to understand something, bro. I just left right. Sweet Home Missionary right. Baptist Church. It's an historic African-American church that's doing very well for itself in Miami, Florida, and my title is assistant pastor. Mm -hmm. So you want me to go from assistant pastor to intern? I did it anyways. <laughs> Here's what's crazy. My first weekend as an intern was the second weekend in March of 2020. Third weekend in March, church shuts down. Mm -hmm. So I'm on this internship that pays $1,000 a month. I have no other job. COVID hits. Two things happen. I still have every intention on planting. 
So I'm at home and I'm doing my own little daily devos. I spent like maybe $200. I got a little backdrop. I got some cheap lights. I got my iPhone. I set it up and I'm just doing these devotionals at home during COVID. Firing your bullets. Firing my bullets. As best you can. And, um, and while I'm doing the devotionals, I still got to make money. So I get this crazy idea to go because I had I knew God was going to put me back in vocational ministry. I just didn't know when. So I didn't want to go down this road of trying to go get a job back in finance. So, man, I went and got my CDL. So I get my CDL. And for those who know my favorite me, part of the story, though, for those who know me, my nickname in Miami is Bougie Brent. <laughs> like, like I wear I got my little dunks on today. But back in the day, man, it was straight up. Go to Nordstrom's, get you some loafers, like a very Miami vibe. So um, for me to be in a dump truck was like, who is this dude? Yeah. So for six months, I'm driving a dump truck and I'm also interning at Cornerstone. The dump truck may pay me $800 a week. Interns paying me $1,000 a month. So we're not making any money, but I'm still trying to be faithful. And uh, as I'm doing these devotionals, here's what happens. The staff sees them. Uh, the creative arts team gives me a call and say, hey, do you think you can come and do some daily devos for us? So I start doing some daily devos for them. Uh, then is because it's COVID we're doing, or they're doing like these short format sermonettes. So 15 minutes in the room, nobody's there, but we're going to play them in the week. Can you do one of these for us? Sure. So I do one of those while you're driving a truck, while I'm driving, while you're driving a truck, I'm not going to let you overlook that detail I'm driving because I'm telling you these people right here that run with this, that they get sometimes before you get to stand on the stage, you got to learn how to drive a truck. And here's also why you need to, why this is important, because I'm driving a truck and I'm driving Lyft and I'm not about to sit here. I'm not the guy who I, I remember leaving Miami saying to myself, what if I have to drive Lyft? Like mm. it was beneath me. Right. Right. But here's one of the things that I know God has done in my life. Paul says, I become all things to all men so that I might win some mm. and to give people a better context. I grew up in Bloomfield, Michigan, which is super suburbia, for the most part, upper middle class. And I had a grandfather uh, who's no longer with us, but who was a very well-known and pretty wealthy attorney. So I grew up playing golf at private country clubs during the summer. Grandfather who has a house with a tennis court and a pool inside, right? So you got to think about this kid who grows up living a very plush life for the most part, and now all of a sudden, his first drive is driving a ready mix truck, mm-hmm. which is some of the hardest work you could do where you've got to be at the yard by 2.30 in the morning. And I literally only lasted for a week. I was hired on Monday, fired by Friday. <laughs> like I could not do it, bro. Um, the next week, I, then I go get the dump truck. And at the dump trucks, you still got to be at the yard by five o'clock in the morning. Um, and I'm doing this for six months, sweating, wearing steel toe boots that I bought from Walmart. No loafers. No loafers, bro. He takes you out the backside in those bro, loafers. They, they wear holes in them. You gotta. But here's what I learned. I learned in that process, Brent, in one season of your life, I had you working at a bank as a, as a quote unquote, like a junior private banker. In another season of your life, I got you diving, driving dump trucks. Here's what I've done for you. I've given you the ability to go have the country club conversation, the banking conversation. All things to all people. But also the dump truck conversation. You know what it's like now that you've been in this dump truck to report to a person 
who you could run circles around on a leadership scale and make five times what they're making, but you're stuck in the truck. What are you going to do? Here's what I learned as we're talking. You better about preach that <laughs> message, by the way. Stuck in the truck. You're you better preach that at some point. And and here's what I learned. That, here's what I learned in that process. It's in the truck. Will you learn how to rejoice always? I'm gonna humble you in this truck, but will you learn how to rejoice always? And I never will forget. I remember one morning at like five o'clock in the morning. Uh, I'm before then I'm headed to the car and I got my headphones on and I got, you know, some good gospel churchy music on and bro, I'm dancing in the parking lot because I'm learning how mm. to rejoice. Even if I don't want to be in this stupid truck. So fast forward. Now we're, uh, we're doing the, the short format devos at Cornerstone. Um, then they're like, Hey, can you live host for us? So we're back in service. Can you do the live host moment? Absolutely. And then it's the last Sunday of the year. Hey, can you preach the last Sunday of the year? Absolutely. What happens over the next three years? Uh, there's 52 weeks in a year. Mind you, I was just an intern. So year one, eight times. Year two, 14 Sundays. This would have been year three. I hit 14 by July before I transitioned on. Had I stayed, I would have probably hit north of 20. So we're talking about a dude. Let's put out some other facts who got kicked out of seminary, so still hasn't finished, who was driving a dump truck, but I can recognize that the favor of the Lord was mm -hmm. without question upon my life, and he allowed me for a season to steward and be a voice in one of the largest churches in the valley, and most of those people didn't even look like me, mm -hmm. learning how to become all things to all men so that I might win some. It always amazes me when, when people think, so for instance, and, and this isn't a, a podcast for preachers, but yep. because that's your path. Yep. Um, it, it amazes me, for instance, when young preachers think the only way to prepare to preach yep. is to preach. Mm. The only way to prepare for the platform is to get reps on the platform. Yep. And I just don't think that's how God nope. rolls. Nope. He says, oh, no, 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 no. Come with me. Yep. Well, where are we going? Yep. To a truck. Yep. Well, at 2.30 in the morning? Yep. Uh-huh. Yep. Yeah, we are. And I'm going to anoint you yep. for there yep. by teaching you some things I could only teach you here. Yep. And I, I wonder how many lessons we all uh, miss out on learning because we don't like the location where he wants us to learn it. Yep. If it's a truck, if God's in that truck, yep. I don't, we good. Teach me what you want me to know. Yep. But I think one of the ways we know that we've become addicted to a place yep. is when a spirit of entitlement comes out of us and we go, well, I I shouldn't be anywhere else but that place. Yep. And God goes, no, you should be wherever I tell you to be. A hundred thousand percent. And if you're in my process, yep. then you're going to be wherever I lead you yep. to be. Yep. Even if it's a truck. It's just that's it's one of my favorite things about your story that while you're in anonymity, so yep. to speak, and then quickly yep. to your point, uh, God giving you more and more responsibility yep. on the weekend. Yep. And Pastor Lynn, uh, you're driving a truck. Yep. I mean, that, that's how you prepared for it. Yep. And what would have happened? 
What do you think would have happened if you would have told the Lord no to the truck? Oh, man, I would not have the oil that I have today. There was a level of oil that I got because I was in the truck. Part of what came with the oil is a spirit of humility. Um, and part of what came out of the truck was a spirit of compassion. So, um, and there's a testimony that where, bro, it's not about, watch this, and I'm gonna talk about this whenever I teach. Stop getting caught up in whether you're here or whether you're there. You need to pay closer attention to, to who you're becoming in the process. Mm -hmm. The truck is a part of your process. So we always quote Romans 8, 28, all things work together for the good of those who love God who are called according to his purpose. But the preceding verses talk about the reason why he does that is so that we can be conformed into the image mm -hmm. of his son. The truck was part of the process for me to be conformed into the image of his son. That's great. And let me also say, here's some of the mistakes I made in the truck that I pray people don't make. Um, it wasn't easy. So we're not going to sit here and paint a picture right. like it was. Right. Losing a church planting endorsement, driving a truck after you've been an assistant pastor, now being an intern, there's some embarrassment in that. There's some hurt in that. It was a winter season, and there was a whole bunch of tears I cried during that season. But here's what also came out of that season. I grew 100,000% closer to God in that season. My marriage also got 100,000% mm. closer. The reason why we have a two-year-old is because we have what I like to call a COVID baby. <laughs> COVID had its blessings behind the scenes. Yeah. Amen. Um, but long story short, uh, there, was, there was a lot that came out of that season that grew me to levels that would not have happened had I not gone through the truck. So um, I'm grateful for the truck. Um, I wouldn't be who I am if it wasn't for the truck and if it wasn't for the internship. Yeah. Period. Period. But the mistakes I would say, don't lash out at your wife because I lashed out. Don't don't take it out on your kids. Um, do what David did. Have your moments of lament in private, and that's okay. But after your moments of lament, but I rejoice in the Lord always. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, and I say I rejoice. So you're... Uh they don't know this. They will once it's out and then your sermon's out, you're going to be teaching on yep. what to do in the middle of transition. Yep. Um, a couple days after this airs. Yep. But let's talk for a little bit about transition because yep. a lot of people who are running with us, yep. uh, we all go through transition. It's just a part of God's process. Yep. And to me, transition is the in-between period to wrap some things up yep. to um, kind of polish off some rough edges yep. before what's next. Yep. So uh, one of the things that um, Brent's going to be doing is you're going to see some things coming out uh, in the days to come where uh, he's going to be answering some questions. What do you do when? This is a burden God's given him yep. uh, because we, we all ask a lot of questions like that. Yep. What do you do when? We get asked these questions by guys, uh, young people we mentor all the time. What do I do when? So Brent, you're going to see a lot of that in the days to come. So I want to kind of roll that out a little bit today yep. uh, because it's a it's a, a grace God's given you. I want to ask some what do you do when questions about transition. Yep. 
Okay. Yep. What do you do when you know the call of God on your life? Yep. But he is simultaneously telling you not yet. Yep. What do you do? Psalm 37, I think it's 37, 4. Delight yourself in the Lord and he'll give you the desires of your heart. Matter of fact, let's just walk through it because I can't just stop at four. So uh, this for me was an anchor passage in my recent season of transition. Uh, here we go. So here's what it says, beginning, we're almost there. Boom. So four says, take delight in the Lord and he will give you your heart's desires. But then verse five, which is crucial, commit everything you do to the Lord trust him and he will help you right so for me let's talk about transition from cornerstone to pillar uh i would say 2022 of august um my wife had another opportunity to go coach track and field at another school and she would have been one of the highest paid track and field coaches on an assistant level scale but I had no peace about it. So we turned it down. But then it made me ask the question, God, do you have us in a season of transition? Um, so delighting myself in the Lord, I'm praying every day, I'm seeking his face, and I put three things before him, which is, hey, God, if you want me to go to an existing church, I'll go. If you want me to plant a church and I start crying like a baby because in my heart now, it's like the last thing that I want to do. God, I don't want to do it, but if you want me to do it, I'll do it. And if you want me to stay where I am, I'll stay. So I go down these three roads. I start off with talking to an organization that basically places guys in ministry. And I never will forget on this 30-minute call with this lady who's a part of this organization, I literally told her, I said, ma'am, I'm going to be honest with you. This feels kind of disgusting. And we both laughed. And she says, I get it. And for con context purposes, the type of church that raised me that I came up out of, ministry is never a career. It is only a calling. Mm -hmm. And in that moment, I knew that I'm, I'm approaching this from the wrong angle. I'm seeking God's calling, but this ain't it right now. So I took A off the table. So now I go down road B. As I'm traveling down road B, what does it look like for me to plant a church, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Um, and as I get down road B, all of my mentors, all the people who I talked to about it, they said, Brett, you can do it, but here's the one problem. You have to have an overwhelming burden that says you have to do this. Because mm -hmm. it can't be a, you can do it. Right. It's gotta be a burden. Well, I didn't have that burden. So I transitioned from that. So now we're going down road C. Hey, God, do you, do you want me to just, just stay here for the next 30 years? Um, and I'm going to be honest with you. C looked like it was probably going to be the answer. Mm -hmm. And here's what happens. It's January. I'm watching The Basement. And you're on there. And I have no clue who you are. <laughs> right. And here's the funniest part. You and Tim keep saying Scottsdale. And the whole time, I'm like, oh, man, that's pretty cool. There's a Scottsdale, Texas. Because Gateway <laughs> doesn't have churches outside of Texas, right. right? I didn't even know of Gateway Scottsdale. So I'm listening. Everybody who watches The Basement knows that Tim's pods are extremely long. I never make it through a full one in one sitting. <laughs> yeah. Yours to date is still the only one I made through one sitting. And I went back and watched it a second time because I wanted to see something. 
you made a statement at basically that, I think it was the one hour and 52 minute mark. And here was the statement you made, Tim, I never want to be in the promised land and God's presence not be there. And I was sitting in my living room and I bawled like a baby because I don't want any church, regardless of if it's Pillar or Cornerstone or Sweet Home, I don't want any church to be the promised land. But God, if that's not what you have for me, I know your presence isn't gonna be with me. So literally, here's what's crazy. The pod ends like 15 minutes after that moment. I look you up on IG. Uh, I send you a DM immediately. And, I, and of course, take the humble route. Hey, I'm, my name's Brent. I'm a local pastor, church in Arizona. I'm not trying to meet Robert. I'm not trying Brent. to meet Tim. <laughs> I literally want to meet you. You made this statement and the rest is history. So we we meet at um, Peter Jungle. Yeah, but they got to hear my side of the oh, story. Okay. Just you, to, before ahead. you get to Go Peter ahead. Jungle. Go ahead. So it's literally six months before that. Yeah. I'm watching another, at the time, teaching pastor in the Valley who uh, was becoming a senior pastor or a teaching pastor at another church. And so I was watching some of, of Landon's sermons and a great Bible teacher. So I'm just going, I, I watched like three in a row. And then the, the feed on YouTube, the algorithm popped up one of your messages. Ooh. And so I start watching the first one, watch it all the way through, watch a second one. I get into the third one, three straight. So I'm like I'm literally six messages deep yeah. on a Friday. Yeah. <laughs> three landed three. <laughs> and I am probably halfway through, maybe a little more of the third one. And I felt out of nowhere. Mm. And just like you, before that, I didn't even know you existed. Right. I, I mean, I knew of Cornerstone. Right. But I, had, I didn't even know who you were. Yep. About halfway through that third message clear as day i felt the holy spirit say i've connected the two of you together mm. and this man is going to help you in your battle and you're going to help prepare him for his mm. and there was some more but i mean that was the burden of it and it, it just makes me laugh yeah um uh, you know it's it's how god connected me and brad yep. larson yep we'd never met and i don't know where the lord says yep I've connected you guys. So it's just when when God plays chess, I have learned not to bring a checkers mentality into his chess match. Yep. I didn't have the answers. Yep. I didn't understand what it would look like. Yep. I just sensed, and, and I just sat on it. Yep. Didn't say anything to hardly anybody. Told my wife yep. that night, but just sat on it. You know, it's I, I think it's wisdom to do what Mary did uh, when she heard things from the Lord. She held these things. Yep. She hid them in her heart. Yep. She held on to them. Yep. You don't have to go blurt it out yep. to everybody. You just sit on it. If it's God, yep. he'll he'll confirm it. Yep. And so fast forward to the basement. Yep. I had not been on social media for the last 10 years. Nope. Like I'm not, you know, essentially I felt like the Lord told me not to get on it and just to remain in anonymity and hiding yep. for a decade. So I'm just, Timmy's like, you got to get, you got to get back on, yep. you know, you're coming on the pod. So out of nowhere, one of the first DMs I got yep. was you. Yep. And I remember saying to Holly, my wife, baby, you're not going to believe. Do you remember the guy I told you about six months ago? Yep. He just DM'd me yep. because he watched the basement. Yep. 
and it hit him. Yep. So that's my side of it. It was just a, like neither of us yep. saw this coming. Yep. I, I can stand before God and say yep. I had never once because Timmy's preaching this year. Yep. Like I wasn't thinking, you know, yep. on the same year, I'm going to have two different teaching pastors. Yep. I, my mind was in, you know, it's just great to be able to have Tim and yep. raise up others. But he wants what he wants. Yep. And I have learned yep. our job. Yep. It we serve at the pleasure of the creator of the universe. Yep. My job is to bring him everything he asks yep. of me. Yep. So that's that's kind of my side of getting to Pete Jungle. Then we sit down yep. for multiple hours. Yep. And it was clear the Holy Spirit pulled up a it, it seemed to me. Yep. We were not alone at that table. Yep. And I know the difference when he pulls up a chair and when he doesn't. Yep. And I knew we were a family in less than 10 minutes. So here's, here's Peter Jungle, y'all. I'm sitting, I don't, I don't know I'm supposed to look at you, but I really want to talk look to him. Look at him talking to him. <laughs> but so we're sitting in Peter Jungle and I'd said something to you that I had never done with any person in my life. I think we had been sitting there for maybe 20 to 25 minutes. And I remember looking at you and said, listen, dude, I don't even know you. But for some reason, I feel like I'm supposed to submit to you. And I want you to know right now, even though I don't know you, you serve as an older brother to me. And that means you have the right, if necessary, to correct me, to speak. You went there fast quick <laughs> you did and i had never ever to date done that with anyone in my life and here's what's even interesting you didn't even tell me that part of the story till another right. meeting right like it was much further down the road it was down the yeah. road so when it was that's why i say for me transitioning from from cs to pillar as much as I love CS, man, I, with all of my heart, still do. Um, it was as close to a burning bush moment as anyone could have. Yeah. Um, yeah, because on paper, yeah. Let's let's just be real. You you won't say it. I'll say it. On paper, if a younger person not having um, a thirty thousand foot spiritual perspective looked at your situation, they would go, Brent. This is a major step backwards. Mm. And I'm not diminishing what's yeah. happening. I'm just saying yeah. I'm esteeming yeah. what, what God has done and is doing at Cornerstone. Yeah. And how faithful Pastor Lynn's been all yep. these years. Yep. Um it, it's a major on paper, it yeah. could look like a major yep. step backwards. Yep. But so did the truck. Surely did. <laughs> Surely. <laughs> and did. if the bush burns, yep. I'm what did the man do when he saw that bush burning? Yep. He was so compelled. Yep. I mean, think about it. You don't run towards something that is engulfed in flames. You run yep. away from you it. Run away from this it. cat could not have. He had to know. Yep. What is going on in this bush? Yep. And I, I think that's. Yep. That's what happens when we really sense God leading us in a direction, even if it seems literally crazy. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. So what do you, you, you've transitioned over to Pillar. Yep. Um, it, it was a, a multi-month transition. Yep. Um, 
What do you do when you transition? Now you're on the other side of the transition, but you're on the front end of the new season. Yep. What are, what do you feel like the Lord's saying to you about what must be done on the front end of this season personally? Yeah. So, um, on the front end of this season, I would tell a person, get clarity as to relates to the why he transitioned you. When you know why, that's when you'll know how to move and operate, mm. right? So there's been a couple of things personally that are different for me in just the short season in which I've been here. Um, some of those consist of, I am going through a process of figuring out not necessarily what God is asking me to do, but who he's calling me to be. Much bigger. It's a whole bigger deal. So, you know, I'll, I'll get the chance in a couple of days to teach on um, Joshua, right? So after Moses dies, we're in Joshua chapter one. He says, hey, my servant Moses is dead. And then he tells them what he's going to do. But bigger than what he's going to do, you're going you're gonna to fill Moses' shoes. You're going to take them into the promised land. But Joshua, here's what I need you to be. I need you to be mm -hmm. strong and courageous. Mm -hmm. And when Joshua gets this idea, hey, I need you to be strong and courageous, there's a couple things that I notice in the text. Number one, Joshua had already been living that out because he was strong and courageous when they went to go and spy the land. And only he and Caleb told the truth. And everybody else was lying. Why is that important? As he's practicing being strong and courageous, he's showing to God that you can trust me. Mm. Let me steal a nugget from you that you and I shared over the weekend. You used to think that the greatest thing that you could do for God was to build a big church. Mm -hmm. And you shared with me, I've learned in my latter years that the greatest thing I can do for God is actually be trusted by him. Here's what happens when God can trust you. He now gives you a mantle. Mm. So if I fast forward to Joshua chapter three, Joshua's between these two places. Moses is dead. I'm about to be the leader. I don't know what the heck I'm doing. Here's why it's okay. Joshua, you've shown me that you have been strong and courageous. I can trust you. And in Joshua chapter three, the Lord says to Joshua, this day I will make you a great leader, mm -hmm. right? So why is that important? I used to think becoming a great leader had a lot to do with the time you read books, the time you study, the time you sit up under your mentors, and that's a part of the equation. But what I wanna encourage younger guys like myself who are on a trajectory to do the thing that God's called them to do is spend less time trying to understand the corporation and spend more time in the closet. Because the more time you, here's the thing, in the corporation, you'll get the principles. Right. I understand. And they're important. They're important. Yeah. I understand Simple Church, right? I understand A series, B series, C series. I understand all of those things, right? You'll get the principles, but you only find the gold in the closet. Mm -hmm. The gold is it's not how big of a church I can build, but God, can you trust me? That's gold. The gold is I'm not trying to build a crowd. I'm trying to build an army. That's gold, but you only get the gold in the closet. You don't get the gold in the corporation. That's that's one of the things I hope everybody watching this takes away. 
no matter what the call of God in their life is. Yep. It isn't the platform that is the prize. Nope. It's the closet. It's his presence. Yep. It is that the God of the universe yep. would ever allow us to draw nearer to him yep. day by day, yep. as well as yep. that he would ever want to draw nearer to us. Yep. That is the win. Yep. That's the it way. isn't what I do. Yep. My life won't be defined by all the things I do. Yep. But when I, when I get to heaven, I don't think God's going to go, this is the guy that did this, this, and this. I think it might go a little more like this. This is the guy I did this with. Yep. Yep. This is the guy I saw change from this to this when we did this together. Yep. I think much of what God talks about is what we did together. Yep. Not just what I did for him. And there is no way yep. that I will have a do it together with him mentality if I am not yep. on my face yep. in the closet before yep. him. Yep. This is where intimacy is fashioned. Yep. In the secret place. Yep. So as I was even spending some time with the Lord today, God, who have you called me to be? Because now I'm asking the same question about myself. God, who have you called me to be? Joshua, you wanted me to be strong and courageous. Holy Spirit, what, what do you want me to be? Right? Now do be. Love it. And then I, the thought came to my mind, I'm currently going through Psalms, and I'm just reading six or seven a day. And here's why I'm reading them. I'm reading them to study the conversation between David and the Lord. And when I don't look at it from the lens of theology, but to use your language, start looking at it through the lens of intimacy, the conversation reads completely Oh my. Like David was very comfortable with everything he wanted to say mm -hmm. to the Lord. So back to this B, here's a thought that I had in my mind. The thought that I had in my mind before David before we ever knew David's name, here's who David was. He was a man after my mm. own heart. So now the question I'm asking myself is, all right, what type of man do you want me to be? Mm. Because here's the thing. People can look at me and say, oh, man, Brent, he's a man with a great gift. He's a man that speaks well. He's a man with charisma, blah, 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 blah. Okay, but what does he say about mm -hmm. it? What does he say? Isn't it amazing when we're younger, most of us are fascinated with yep. what everyone else says about us. Yep. And then you just reach that point where it's like, you know what? It doesn't really matter. Yep. And then you get the revelation. Yep. And orient your whole life around. Yep. What does he say about me? What does he say? And what does he want from me? Yep. There, I'm convinced there's no greater way to live. Yep. Especially in the era of, era of social media, yep. where everybody is two seconds away yep. from telling me what they think about me. Yep. Telling you what they think about you. Yep. All the more reason yep. for my identity to yep. be grounded in him, yep. not in them. 100%. Because if I get fixated and fascinated with what they're all saying, yep. I will end up skewing in their direction. That, to me, is the difference between Moses and Aaron. Yep. Yep. Moses was only concerned with what God was saying. 100%. Aaron what listened too much to what the people were saying, and Peer that's pressure. why he ended up giving them what yep. their flesh wanted. Yep. Peer pressure. Because Moses was fixated yep. on what God was saying. Yep. He never would have yep. produced that golden calf. But watch this. Who was the one that actually spent time in the closet? Facts. <laughs> Facts. Wasn't Aaron. Facts. 
It was Moses. And here's the thing. Aaron and Miriam both heard the Lord. Yep. Scripture tells us yep. they heard the Lord, but it doesn't seem that they spent quite as much time in the tent. Nope. Because they were looking going, is Moses, does Moses think he's the only one that can hear from God? Yep. You know you're not in the secret place yep. when that tone comes out of your mouth. Yep. Because in the secret place, God wasn't talking to Moses about Aaron yep. and Miriam. Yep. He was talking about those commandments. He was talking about his people. He was talking about the law. Bro, he was laying it out. Yep. And Moses was there for it. Yep. And he he disconnected himself from yep. the commentary of the people. Yep. Because of his addiction yep. to the creator. Yep. Love it. Yep. So in transition, work on building a relationship with God where he can trust you. Hmm. It's not what a thought. In transition, work on building a relationship with God where he can trust you. I mean, you're almost saying, don't even focus on what you're going to do next. I, that's what I hear you saying. Let me tell you why. So you, you and I were hanging out, and I asked you a question, were you ever scared to plant a church? And you immediately, with no hesitation, <laughs> said no. And inside, I was taken aback. I'm like, what? I wasn't being cocky. He wasn't. I'm like, how does this man have so much confidence? Right. Here's what, and here's what you said, uh, Tom Lane, um, and, and this is after. For those of you who aren't familiar with Scottsdale, it's the hardest, one of the hardest places in America. To a lot plant. of churches have tried and come and yeah. failed. And you had a, a conversation with a really, really, really big name preacher privately who did the same thing and it didn't work. And um, who sees uh, Scottsdale like a curse word? <laughs> it was correct. Uh, you know, correct. And here's what Tom told you. He's you asked Tom. Tom, how do you have so much confidence that this will work? And Tom told you. Preston, two reasons. One, because we heard from the Lord. Two, because we got your back. Right? So I processed that. And then I processed another conversation same day. How many guys do you think plant with a burden versus who plant because they can? Something along those lines. And then you said it's probably only out of every 10, maybe two. And then out of every 10, maybe only four succeed. So as I'm processing this, um, yesterday I'm studying Joshua and I'm in three and I realize the only reason why Joshua was, was as successful as he was is because God gave him the mantle. 100%. So watch this. Here's what the Holy Spirit reveals to me. Because I asked, Lord, do you want me to plant? Do you want me to take over church? What do you want to do? And he said, it doesn't matter. Because here's why. Whatever I ask you to do, I'm going to give you the mantle for it. And when I give you the mantle for it, that's when you'll see the miracles. So right now, I'm in a season at Pillar, serving under an awesome pastor with an awesome staff and an awesome church. And I'm going to spend the majority of my days in the closet being trusted by God. And I'm going to wait until he decides, now you're ready for the mantle. Mm. And no matter if it's a, a city in the Middle East, a city in the hood, or a city in the suburbs, because I've got the mantle, doesn't matter. We won't fail. I got the mantle. Some of my favorite <laughs> words in that passage, yeah. when God says to Joshua, in the same way, yep. I was with Moses. I will be, be with you. you. Yep. And in the same way, I made Moses great in the eyes of the people. Yep. In other words, yep. presence yep. paraphrase. Listen, Joshua. Yep. I love how much you revere Moses. Yep. And and I agree. He was one of my friends. Yep. 
don't forget. Yep. I made him great in the eyes of Ooh. the people. And I want you to know, yes, I've told you to be strong and courageous, but to give you some confidence yep. as to how you can be yeah. strong and courageous. Yeah. I'm going to tell you how this is going to play out Yep. today. Yep. I make you great in the eyes of the people the same way I did with Moses, because in the same way I was with Moses, I am with, with you. you. This is why ultimately, yeah. even when I was running 67 people in an 850 seat room, yep. frustrated at times, yep. knowing everyone, a lot of people were watching Pastor Robert's first church plant yep. deep in my heart. Yep. As long as you are with me, God, I know we're good. Yep. And as long as you're in this room and you have a smile on your face because yep. you are pleased yep. with my best attempt to give you what you're asking for, yep. we're good. Yep. We're going to be okay. Mm -hmm. And it may not be okay compared to what other people might expect, but as long as I, I don't need to see the smile on the faces of the people, yep. if when I go into the closet, my daddy is grinning from ear to ear. Yep. I do not need comments. Yep. I do not need commentary. Yep. I do not need you're amazing yep. because nothing. Yep. You could compliment me. A billion people could compliment me for the rest of my life. Yep. But that smile, that yep. look on his face, yep. when I do my best to yep. bring him what he asked for, yep. there's nothing better than that. Nothing. That's better than the stage. 100%. That's better than the favor. Yep. That's better than the success. Yep. It's that smile yep. on his face. Yep. Just so they know, one of the things that hooked me to you was you told me, because uh, I was coming out of, as I was at CS, I watched the main room do this. But then I had my ministry that I was leading doing this. Right. And it messed with my Hey. I love how you're bringing everything <laughs> yeah. like oh, you bro. are. This is you're giving people every reason essentially not to listen to you, which is every reason why they should listen to yeah. you. Because then anytime you drop a dime, anytime I drop a dime, yeah. everyone knows because yeah. I'm the same way. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm honest about everything I've yeah. been through and I look like an idiot half the time. <laughs> yeah. But here's why. So that when a dime gets dropped, yeah. you know where it came from. Yeah. It came from the God of the universe. 100%. That's that's going back to Joshua. Yep. Joshua, it'll be me, not you. Yep. Yep. So here it is. I'm watching my my reps go up every, every year over year. Yep. My favor, popularity, go up at the church year over year. So and the church numerically is doing this. But then the ministry I lead every Thursday, I'm watching it do this. And I'm I'm confused. And uh I don't know what's conversation like number of conversation we had we were sitting down but you told me a story that set me free you said i remember when early days of gateway church had just started and it was four people in the room me holly praise and worship leader i think it was one other person and you said you sat on the front row and you were going off on mm -hmm. god just going off why did you send me out here i could have stayed at gateway blase 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 and then and correct me if i'm wrong uh, paraphrasing you said you heard the lord say to you very firmly preston you could either be concerned with those who are in the room or the one that needs to be in the room because i will gladly leave 
and you describe that you just completely and totally broke mm-hmm. down. And by the time praise and worship was over, I think you said it was like 70 people in the room. But it was a lesson that you learned. Never forget. It was a holy has, moment. That has now been passed down to me to keep the main thing the main thing. And the main thing is not whether your room is a room of 10 or a room of 10,000. The main thing is, is he in the room? Right. And if he's in the room, we're all good. And this is why when God leads you to drive a truck. Yep. I'm not saying when you have the idea to drive the truck. I'm right. saying this is why right. when God leads you to drive a truck, at 2.30 in the morning, yep. you go drive that truck because you know what he's saying is, there's somewhere I want to meet with you. Yep. It's not about the location. Yep. But I'm going to meet you there. Yep. And, and essentially, he says, Brent, will you go drive that truck for me? Yep. Because I want to ride shotgun. Yep. And I'm going to meet with you yep. in the cab of that truck in a way. Yep. I've never met with you anywhere else. Yep. And here's what Brent needs to do. Don't fight it. Because it's not the place. That's not the place Brent wants to go. But I'm doing something in that truck. Don't fight it. The more you fight it, the longer I'm going to keep you here. Yeah. Don't fight it. Go to the truck. And here's what you'll learn. Here's the beautiful part. I'm even with you in the truck. Mm-hmm. You think I just want to be with you on the platform? Nah, bro. I want to be with you in the truck. I want to be with you when you think your marriage is about to fall apart. I want to be with you when you think you suck as being a dad. Mm. I want to be with you for every single moment of your life. I don't want a casual or churchy or Western relationship with you. I want to be intimate with you. Mm-hmm. I want you to know me, and I, I already know you. Mm-hmm. I want you to know so great. me. You're not you're, you're cut from a different cloth. You're not better than anybody. You're just different. And I'm preparing you to do hard things. It'll be worth it. You'll get to heaven one day. It'll all be worth it. But I'm preparing you to do hard things. I just love, you know, some people hate transition. Yep. But I love reframing yep. the beauty yep. of divine transition. Yep. When God is in a transition and leading you to make it, yep. there's no telling what he might do yep. in the in-between. Yep. And he's the God who meets us yep. there. Yep. Will you, as we wrap up, Will you just pray, uh, especially over those who are in transition right now? Yep. Because you're you're still in transition. Yep. You're essentially probably going to be in a two to three year transition, a season of transition. Yep. That I believe God's gracing you for to do well. Yep. And to become. Yep. Uh, who God's asking you to become yep. while you do what He asks you to do. Yep. So will you just pray over those? Uh, just a uh, big brother, little brother, yeah. son, yep. prayer over yep. them. Holy, absolutely. Holy Spirit, thank you so much for the platform, for the opportunity to just talk about you. 
And I want to take a moment and I want to pray for the young man, for the young woman, for the older man, for the older woman who's in a season of transition. And this is what I pray, that in this season of transition, that God, that they would honor you. Mm. That in this season of transition, that they would have the heart's desire to make you proud. That in this season of transition, that they would have the heart's desire to make you smile. And even if necessary, in the season of transition, that they would be willing to lie down on the sword. Because God, they wanna make sure that they're delighting themselves in the Lord and committing everything that you do, that they do to you. And your promise is that you will help them. Uh, I pray also a prayer of covering, because here's what I know, when men and women are transitioning into divine assignments, the enemy is not happy. Mm. So I pray that no weapon formed against yes, them so would God. be able to prosper. Jesus. I pray that in the late midnight hours when it gets hard, that you would give them a peace that surpasses all understanding. And even though the weapons are forming again, I thank you that you've called us to be men and women who walk in victory. Uh, so God, the same way that you have graced me in this season of transition, would you grace them as well? We thank you. We bless you. In Jesus' name, amen. 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 I love it. I love this so much. I love you so much. Love you, bro. Let's I'm go. so grateful that we're getting to run together and fight together in this yeah. season. Yeah. Uh, they hear me say it all the time, this is war. Yeah. And you're, you're a, a weapon in the hands of a mighty God. Yeah. You're going to be for the rest of your life, and you're going to raise up many other weapons. Yeah. Uh, for many years mm -hmm. throughout the rest of your life. So I'm glad they got a chance to see. They're going to see more of you, yeah. uh, especially those who attend Pillar or follow uh, the weekend messages. Yeah. And they're going to see a lot of what do you do when? Yep. Uh, just trying to help people yep. uh, walk according to his ways, yep. not ours, yep. not our flesh. Yep. So thanks for joining us this week. We had a blast. I hope you did too. Can't wait to see you next week and make sure because he sent me his notes yesterday morning <laughs> he was in the secret place he sent me his notes yeah. for this coming weekend's message do yourself a favor and watch that message i love you all so much see you next weekend